0: Hey folks, Machine Repeat here. Welcome to episode number 45 of our Machine Repeat podcast. I apologize for my absence from the podcast frontier for a little bit, but uh, I think you'll maybe sort of know why I've been gone. Wow, the used equipment market, unlike anything I've seen in 32 plus years here, uh, as 2022 has continued to roll out, uh, February and March and early April, just incredible Um it's honestly been a challenge to kind of keep up with these rising prices just across the board on all conditioned good equipment uh, from all over North America. And so anyway, I've been doing my best to, to keep everyone up to date on that stuff. And we certainly appreciate your uh, your folks' great support of our website, Uh And don't forget, all the auction prices are free out there to view. Just click on the auction tab and you'll see auction prices there. We update that on the fly every day. And thank you for your great support of our Machine Repeat online auction, which is a monthly event. We have our next sale coming up Tuesday, April 19th. Uh, This is going to be a fun one. We have our first uh, full farmer line of equipment on the sale just down the road from Rushford, Minnesota. Great folks down there. Um, We'll be uh, highlighting them on our Machine Repeat TV auction edition TV show on RFD TV next week that airs Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday before each of our monthly auctions. So definitely check that out folks. And if you happen to have a piece you're looking to sell or you know whatever your whole line of equipment, just give us a buzz at uh, 844-727-6374 or hit machineryp.com, little email link there, let us know. We'll connect you with one of our great auction partners we work with uh, to see about getting your equipment on our online auction. But today, what we're going to do, folks, we're going to point our eye out to the Northeast. I've been covering auctions, of course, all throughout U.S. and Canada now, 32 years. But um, maybe just the fact that I'm a Minnesota boy, uh, always been very interesting to me when we get uh, sale prices in from auctions out across Pennsylvania, New York, uh, that whole Northeast corridor. And boy, we've been seeing some just, you know, tremendously strong prices if you've if you've been following my, my blog that I write, uh, right on machinerepeat.com, or if you see the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram post, you have maybe caught a couple of these. But uh, just to give you an example, uh, from a sale in New Jersey, in Cranberry, New Jersey. Now, this was just uh, a couple days ago as I record this. The sale was April 4th. Uh, my friends at Perong Auctioneers out there, Jim and crew, do a great job. Just a few of the prices. They had a John Deere 7,700 two wheel drive, 3,816 hours on it. That brought $71,000. Second highest auction price ever on a 7,700 two wheel drive. Uh, interesting to note that the three highest prices have all come since February. We actually had a record set at $87,000. And that was just back on March 26th. Uh, also, towards the east out there in Wilshire, Ohio. That was a 96 model 7700 two-wheel drive with just over $1,400 on it. uh, Schrader real estate and auction sold that one. Again, $87,000. But back to the uh, New Jersey sale, April 4th, they had a John Deere 8,120, 2,310 hours on it, brought 126, highest auction price in six years on an 8,120. They had a 9760 combine, 2,578 engine hours that brought $93,000, no heads, uh, very strong price. How about a 2006 6330F platform that brought 24000 bucks? And uh, my guy in the ground there told me the seller, the owner was the original owner. He paid 26683 for it 16 years ago. They also had a 94 Peterbilt 378 with a cat 3406, 345,000 miles. That went for I think it was 63,500 bucks. And uh, Friesen uh, two box seed tender went for 13,000. It was an 06 model. And again, uh, word was the owner paid 9,335 bucks for it 16 years ago. And again, it just brought 13. So that was in New Jersey uh, just on April 4th. And then we had a sale that was in uh, Westminster, Maryland. And let's see. The date on this sale was March 31st. This was by the great team at McGrew Equipment Company farm auction out there. They had a 2009 KSH Magnum 245, 3679 hours. That brought 129 thousand bucks. Third highest auction price ever on a Magnum 245, and the record if you if you isolate it to Magnum 245s with over 3000 hours. And, uh, you know, I think, I think this is true. Um, I think the seven highest auction prices ever on Magnum 245s with over 3,000 hours have come in like the last eight months. <laughs> That's how strong this market has been. But this March 31st sale in Maryland also had a 2008 John your 71 30 wheel drive, 1,379 hours. That brought 61,000 bucks. That was a record. Uh, also had some nice hay equipment. 2017 New Holland H9870 bale wagon, just under 500 hours. That brought $177,000. Um, and then the highest auction price I've ever seen on a Kubota round baler. They had a 2020 BV5160, 2,200 bales on it, used one season. That brought 28000 bucks. So again, you know, out in the Northeast, uh, prices have been very strong course, some of you listeners out there might remember the Maryland auction we filmed for our Machinery PTV show on November 6th, at, back at the end of 2021. Uh, also, McGrew Equipment Company had that sale. Uh, that's the auction where the 1999 John Deere 7810 with 914 hours, second owner went for 170,000 bucks, record price, uh, just incredible. But here's the truth on that sale, folks. That wasn't the most amazing tractor sold that day. Uh, to me, that was the, uh, the 1990 Ford 4610 with 1,256 hours on it. It was a Series 2 original paint, uh, super rig. That brought thirty six five. I can't remember what the exact number was, but that brought, I mean, it was so high over the record price, it wasn't even funny. And Again, that was back on November 6th. And that same sale had a pair of skid steers that people are still asking me about, particularly the 2000 model Case 1845C. Now, granted, it only had 641 hours on it, but 41000 bucks. I think that was like 10500 or something like that over the record. And sitting right next to it was a 2005 Case 465 skid steer. It only had 132 hours on it, but that brought 53000 bucks again. Just a record by a ton. So auction prices out in the Northeast have been doing very well. And we got a treat for you today, folks. Our guest on this episode number 45 of the Machine Repeat podcast is Neil Messick with Messick Farm Equipment, a five-store Case IH New Holland Kubota dealership out there kind of around Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I'm guessing many of you uh, know Neil from YouTube They have an amazing uh, YouTube channel for Messick's Farm Equipment. They got 106,000 subscribers. And frankly, of of all the farm equipment dealers that we work with, uh, Messick's is so far ahead in that YouTube space. And they're just doing some amazing things. So I'm going to talk to Neil about that, but then also about their customer base out there in uh, Southeast Pennsylvania, the mix of, uh, you know, high population, High density area plus big eggs—all so just kind of an interesting conversation there. And uh, let's let's bring him in right now, Neil Messick with Messick Farm Equipment. Not we hope so. Okay, all right. Let me turn up the volume a little bit here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Okay. I'll just do a little intro here, Neil, and then uh, yeah, we'll just set sail and talk about the business and uh, the history, and then get into the YouTube fun stuff. Awesome thing you guys are doing out there, so. Alright. Hey folks, I'm pleased to be welcomed by my guest on the Machine Repeat Podcast today, Neil Messick with Messick's out in Pennsylvania. Neil, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. And you said it's a little chilly out there in PA?
1: Uh, I tell you, spring can't come soon enough. This is uh, in April here and everybody wants some more weather and it's just not giving it to us
0: this year. Feels like we're back in February kind of, doesn't it? Well, Neil, I've been meaning to call you guys for a long time. I've been a big fan of your YouTube channel out there at Messick's. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, the great stuff you guys are yep. doing, doing there. But uh, can you give us a little, uh, first off, a background on Messick's, uh, your dealership out there, how many locations? Uh, you guys carry a lot of equipment lines, and just give us a little uh, yeah, I mean, little history. Yeah,
1: we're, we're a 5 store equipment dealer. We kind of have a big circle around Harrisburg, Pennsylvania cover a lot of south central pennsylvania uh we do a lot of bigger product lines uh new holland and krone and kubota and we we have a pretty good reach around here so we get up into you know most of the northern states here and then um through things like youtube and our website we really come to support you know farmers and, and customers around the country at this point so you know, we, we have a pretty pretty big reach uh, my grandfather would have started this business in 1952, so we're celebrating our 70th year this year. Uh, we're a third-generation business, so I'm one of five, actually. Um, we do the best best known when it comes to this kind of stuff for being the public face of things a lot of time. But I, I had two older cousins, two younger brothers who are all involved in this business with me. We do a great job of working side-by-side side with one another.
0: Mm. So, yeah, a real blessed to have a great, great crew of people down here doing cool stuff. Yeah, 70 years, boy, that is, that's awesome. I, I was looking on your website, which I think it's messix.com correct? Yeah, that's right. M-E-S-S-I-C-K-S.com, folks. If I'm sure yes. all you listeners, you've been out there, but if you haven't check it out, it's a, it's a beautiful website. It's really well designed. And I was looking at the history section, Neil, and yeah, so that was your, your grandfather and his brother that started the business?
1: My grandfather and brother would have started, his brother would have started in high school. Go and only after a couple of years we picked up New Holland, so we're, we're only about 30 minutes away from New Holland's corporate headquarters, right. so that's a lot of roots
2: in our area. Okay. Um, so
1: yeah, not too long after, my, my grandfather's brother would have stepped out of the business, and then he ran it for years along with my, my uncle and dad um they're at retirement age at this point but they're both still here most days <laughs> they okay let go a lot of the stress of running the business at this point but we're we're still really blessed to be able to come to work and be here with our dads too so
0: okay you can see them in the morning. oh that is awesome uh and just walking through the years here uh i was noticing that uh you guys have kind of been continuously expanding the footprint of your dealerships and when was the When did you first expand uh, beyond the single store? Was that back in, uh, was that the early 2000s or was that late 90s?
1: Uh, Boy, the first, our Abbottstown location would have been in like the early, mid-90s.
0: Okay. But then we we stayed at two locations for probably almost 20 years
1: after that. And then had a bunch of opportunities here locally and and did some acquisitions of additional locations. And then also other dealerships as well that we absorbed back into our own stores. Okay. um, we, we operate what would be
2: kind of larger locations, right? A little bit bigger stores, more product lines, larger staff. It uh, just you know has reasonable capability, right? So they're, they're bigger stores. Right. Um, in total, we, we'd have
1: 260 employees across all of our locations. Wow. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of
0: people down here. Wow. That's impressive. And uh, when do you, you call when, Neil, the Kubota connection? When did you guys start uh, carrying Kubota? Uh, we became a Kubota dealer in the early 90s. Okay. So 30, about 30 years, huh? Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Uh, and gosh, I was looking at all the, uh, you know, again, your website, very clean design there. Uh, hats off to you guys for that. And I was looking at all the, uh, the lines of equipment you carry. Uh, do, you, do you have enough? I, I kind of lost count there. It was so many, but uh, some <laughs> just great brands. I, we're, we're very um,
1: apt to reach out to, companies that offer innovative things, right? Like not one of these big companies offers everything or the best things, right? Like
2: every every one of those major companies wants to be everything to everyone, right? right. They try to be, uh, but
1: very often you find more innovative things or things of better value from other short line companies as well. So, you know, while our majors would be Kubota and New Holland, we offer, uh, we would say upwards of 200 short line companies. Uh, but, yeah, you know, a lot of those are pretty small, but they're places that we have relationships with and yep. um, we'll sell and support their products and that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of proud of our, our salesmen for knowing, you know, that tool set, right, of the, the best things, the best companies to be able to reach out to to solve, you know, problems for our customers. Yeah,
0: well, I was going through your list there and uh, I noticed Bale Bandit, uh, kind of a unique company. I, I ran across them at a farm show years ago. I was kind of impressed with their operation and then. Um, It looks like you guys are providing quite a bit of uh, selection. I mean, just on the garden tractor uh, front, you've got XMark, you've got Snapper Simplicity. Um, So offering uh, your customers a wide range of choice, that's kind of a a Messick's um, key business strategy?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would call it that for sure, right? I mean, we have been kind of unwilling in a way to to hitch our
0: wagon to one big company, right? Right. Um, continuing to stay diverse and look for the best solutions that are out there in the market. Okay, now you guys uh, are you, the new the new uh, kind of headquarters, Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. Is that is that also in Lancaster County, Neil? I guess I'm a Minnesota boy. I'm a little rusty on my Pennsylvania yeah. geography, but it's it's in Lancaster it, it, County. It can you can it, you tell I mean, people uh, who haven't been to Lancaster County kind of the diverse mix of what the area is like and your customer base out there?
2: Yes, yeah, so we're we're
1: super fortunate to be where we are. Lancaster
2: County is a, a agricultural tourism area.
0: Yep. Um, so it's a big area for the Amish. So there's
1: a lot of people who will come out of New York and DC and that kind of stuff to come, you know, learn about farming. Um, there's a lot of preserved farmland around us, so there is still a good, healthy ag industry out here, um, and uh, we're really lucky too with the agribusiness side of things. So. You find a lot of manufacturers of equipment in our area, um, especially around, among the Amish communities and stuff, is they have more people than what they can put on the farm. A lot of those people decide to get into the equipment business. Um, so there's a really healthy community around here, that stuff. Um, it's an area too that I would say supports and understands agriculture, right? We talk a lot about the, the, the large part of our population at this point that doesn't understand where their food comes from, right? That's right. not
2: so much the case here, um, it's a lot more of our culture, and it does a lot for us in terms of a company and, and able to being able to hire and retain good
1: people. Right, it's uh, people aren't ashamed to work in agriculture in this area. They know who the businesses are. You know, we're parts of the community and that kind of thing. And so, it really affords us a lot of good employment opportunities here, and we're able to attract and retain really good people. Um, mm. You know, and that, that's all about what makes your business great, right? It's the people that
0: work in it, right? Well, I'm, just, I'm also uh, highly intrigued, Neil, you, you talk about that diversity and, you know, the folks from the metropolitan areas being your customer base. Now, I, I grew up as a son of a third generation dealer out here in the flatland of Minnesota. And our, we're a little more, uh, you know, uh, I guess, one note in terms of our customer base. But does that how do you guys look at that in terms of uh, challenges or, like you say, feeling blessed, the opportunity to have kind of different customer bases there within your five uh, store footprint?
1: Yeah, so there, there's, we're still 50% or so agriculture here as far as where, who our customers
0: are. Uh, but, you know, we, unfortunately, we're becoming more of an urban center all
2: the time, being that we're so close to New York and sure. more Washington and others. seems like they're putting up warehouses on top of all of our farmland, mm. um, which is it's
1: heartbreaking to see. Um, but at the same time, they are our customers as well. So we, we deal with those construction companies. We sell Know, excavators and track loaders and all that, that kind of machinery that right. supports those customers. Um, and then we're a huge area for people moving out of the cities, that rural lifestyle or type customer makes up a big portion of the people that we support too. Right. Um, so there's, there's, yeah, we're a very diverse company in the, the types of customers that we serve. You know, every,
2: everybody's needs are the same at the end of the day. Right. Uh, but they they are different people, especially if you're a salesman,
0: you know, working with the farmers is a lot different than working with the contractors, right. for construction companies.
1: Um, the, the people who are different, but their
0: needs at the end of the day are all the same. Hmm. And Neil, I, I, I maybe should have hit this earlier, but, uh, now you're third generation in the company and, um, how long have you been in, in the business or I, I kind of presume you kind of grew up in it, but, um, have you been in hey, it since, since grew, college?
1: Grew up in it, yeah. It, it's, uh, so I've been full time in here for 17 years. I'm in my early forties. Okay. Um, our, our family did require us to go get, uh, quote-unquote,
2: real jobs first. So mm. my
1: background is actually in IT. Um, I did work for contract work for the state. I worked in Circuit City selling computers. I installed computer networks and phone systems in schools for somebody for a while. So I, I had several real jobs, too,
2: before coming back into the family business. Okay. Um, they have been one, one of the greatest things that our parents did for
1: us, because every one of us kind of went out and did different things and they brought those skill sets back
0: here to business. The- Mm, boy, that that sounds like countless conversations I've had with farm families over the years. Where the, before the kids come back, they they go do uh, a little bit of something else. And I, imagine, I I would think your IT skills and background, boy, that must be invaluable, invaluable f- to bring that uh, DNA back into the company. Yeah,
1: it is. I mean, it's, it's every one of us brought different things, right? So yeah, I mean, for me personally, that's that's half my day, right? When you're talking about the website earlier. Um, I wrote
2: the very first Messick.com. Right? Mm. Uh, I came back into the business as a salesman and
1: sold equipment, and you know it's a seasonal business. In the slow time, I sat down and started writing a website, um, and uh, you know things like that that uh, you know you could never, never would have been able to justify the investment for the company to go out and hire somebody to do up an e-commerce website 15 years ago. Right. But, uh, being able to do it myself kind of set us up in order to be able to grow in some unique
0: ways. Wow! Well, that teases me up for uh, where we want to go next year, Neil. And your, uh, you know, I can tell by looking at your website and then also with your your YouTube channel and your social media efforts, you guys aren't like one step ahead of the dealer space. I mean, you are leaps and bounds. You're just—it's amazing—and hats off to you guys. Now, your YouTube channel, Neil. I mean, you guys got one hundred six thousand subscribers um the interaction you get on your videos is just fantastic um can you tell us kind of how that all started
1: (laughs) um i'll give you the original story of how it all started was honestly we uh another gentleman here locally to us in new jersey goes by one lonely farmer Um, he has thousand subscribers himself probably um bought a piece of equipment from us that turned out to be a bit of a lemon and Mm. um was making videos about it. And we, we started getting phone calls from some of our other customers saying, hey, this, this guy's out here talking poorly about you. Okay. And we resolved that problem with him over time and actually we're quite close friends with him sure. at this point. Um, but that, that told us that our, our customers are here. Like our, our customers are on YouTube and they're, they're watching this. Right. And so six or seven years ago at this point, um, I started making videos to myself um, and basically taking the camera outside and, and talking feature function type stuff and selling a little bit, but also spending a lot of time just with basic operator education, right? Not not necessarily trying to sell our own products, but talking about the stuff that applies to everything that you might own. Even if you're a green guy or somebody like that, we're going to talk about a lot of
2: stuff about equipment that applies to everybody. Mm. Um, and for, gosh, I've made over 800 videos at this point. Um, wow. wow. And, and it's... For me personally, it's probably the
1: best part of my day. I mean, mo- most of my time is spent behind the desk, right? And yep. um, there's nothing better than being able to get out and jump on a tractor or get in somebody's cabin to go ride around and get some sunshine with the camera here every once
0: in a while. Well, I love your style and um, your I, videos, Neil. You have a, you're just, it feels like you're just talking to the person through the screen, which I imagine is the effect you were kind of going for.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I never set out. Thinking that I was going to do it this way, right? I mean, I think for probably at least the first two years of, of shooting videos, everybody around here probably looked at me like I was a little nuts, um, <laughs> right? Because you know, I, I take care of marketing for the business, and I understood that this was this was going to be marketing, yeah. Um, but but definitely looked a little silly, right?
2: And and we've all come to realize at this point, it does a lot of good for our business. Oh, so sure, right. Not to
1: us, because of the, the trust that they earn it in us by watching right uh-huh.
0: oh well, it's, it, it, was, it was silly at first well now your your frequency of your youtube videos is it is it kind of uh two three a week roughly would that be accurate four yeah
2: twice a week so twice mondays a week. mondays and thursdays
0: mondays Wednesdays and thursdays up. okay and like i say the <clears throat> i'm always intrigued by the engagement on the videos uh and i was looking at one of your most recent ones neil and folks if you haven't seen it go check it out it's uh just go to youtube and type in messix you'll find it but It it was regarding uh, sort of the closing of your Elizabethtown, kind of the original uh, hub location there. And you kind of walked around and shared memories. And uh, there were 132 comments on that video, Neil. That's amazing. Yeah, it blows my mind. It's, uh, and I imagine a lot of your customers, but but then again, it it could be people in South America, anywhere just interacting with just a conversation that you started and sharing your truth there and uh again you you can deliver your message about your great new store and, you know it's a mountjoy joy there but uh yeah that was a fantastic video uh um so these ideas just kind of come to you or do you have a big list that you keep things you want to do or what
1: i, I keep a list it, it's hard frankly i mean it, it's hard to come up with the, the stuff to talk about it especially in the last year with supply chain stuff the way that it's been and it, my gosh, I feel like I have a hard time walking outside and finding some of the trackers that I want to talk about. Um, but a lot of times it's just looking at what's happening around the dealership. It's uh, interesting demos that we might be doing or new equipment that we're delivering or new models that are showing up or uh, something that happened. Right. Um, but it, it does get hard to continue at the, the pace that I do. It, it is the, kind of the
2: devil of YouTube in a way. You, you talk to the people that a lot of people make a living at this right. at this point videos and uh, you, you just you have to continue running right. in, in
1: order to, to find success on a platform like this takes a real
0: commitment right um, No, no off switch easy. is there? Well um, looking gotcha. back uh, looking back over the the time you've and the you've invested into all these videos, Neil I mean I'm guessing the the return uh, from a branding standpoint and growing your customer base, connecting with them more deeply, Ah, uh, it has to be, the ROI on that has to be pretty positive, I'm guessing.
1: I, I mean, it is. I mean, we, at this point, we
0: would, you know, never stop, right? I mean, right. We've, we've proved it out. Uh, but there was a years long investment.
1: Like I said at the beginning, it looked really silly, right? Before the, the guys at the parts counter were used to somebody walking in and saying, hey, I, I saw this thing or I watched it, right? It, it took right. a long time to start to build that audience. Right. Um, it's it's,
2: today we have it right
0: yeah yeah no i was looking uh of course youtube you can get in there and sort a lot of different ways and i was looking at your most watched videos holy smokes you got one over eight hundred thousand views neil from a couple years ago very interesting the uh i think the title was something like top five worst attachments which by the way what is the worst attachment oh goodness i mean i think they're all kind of good in their own way right yeah you can find yeah. The, um, I'd say the three point quick hitch is the one that always frustrates me right? because yeah. um, you want that thing to
1: be able to go and hook up to, to every implement that you've got yeah. and I mean, you know, they can be really hit and miss so right. uh, that, that one I think is something that frequently frustrates people. Right. But you, you never know what topics are going to find success on YouTube or what's going to connect
2: with somebody. <laughs> right. You
1: mentioned that one walking
2: around in the store. Right. Um, uh, I wouldn't yeah. You,
0: you just never know. You never right. know what's works. And so that, that comes back to that repetition thing, you know, you just right. got to keep doing it and every once in a while you find one that goes. Right. No, I, I also liked one of your most watched videos, how to buy a tractor. I think it was a live video you did, maybe you did YouTube live on it or something and recorded it, but 600. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, literally like this
1: guy walked in the story is like, Hey, I watch you on YouTube and I was like, Hey, you want to come outside with me and I'll sell you a tractor huh. and, and you know, totally unplanned, totally spur of the moment. And like you said, I think it's the second most watched video on the channel. I couldn't have ever planned that out. Huh. Right. But, uh, it, it just, just worked. Well, never I never knew what happened to that guy. Like
0: the <laughs> <again>. <laughs> Well, he's immortalized on YouTube. That's uh fantastic.
2: He, he, he may not even know it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good example, Neil, of how, you know, you're just rolling with the punches. You're confident in your, uh, you know, your willingness to explore the space and, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine the feedback you get off a video like that from, oh, my goodness, from in your area and beyond, just, hey, thank you for that little insight or that tip that maybe I was, you know, sure. feeling I was not qualified. I was even afraid to ask, but you just.
1: You that, know. And, and yeah, in just terms of people, too, like uh, we definitely have an audience of, of experienced operators, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have farmed for a long time. Uh, they seem to find value in listening to me talk. I have no idea what I could
2: possibly teach a lot of these people. They know so much more than what I do. Um, well, but but you have this this continual flow of the rural lifestyle
1: people and that kind of stuff,
2: and new people coming into the yeah. business and new operators for construction equipment, and, and people deciding they want to farm for themselves, and they they start from nothing, and in a lot of
1: times don't have that you know family history or, or generations of farming and that kind of stuff to
0: be able to learn from. Right. So. I seem to provide a lot of value there. Yeah. Well, I, you, you know, you're just open and honest with it. I, like I say, I love your approach. Huge fan. It's obviously, uh, worked tremendously, uh, and even topics. You had a video, I think recently, uh, five mistakes, you know, five biggest mistakes f- people make buying equipment. Um, I imagine headlines like that just kind of pull in a wide swath. Like you say, experienced farmers. Savvy veterans, but then newbies, kind of pulls in a lot of different angles. It does. It's it just, you know, there's a professionalism here on YouTube that, that I try to maintain that drives me a little nuts.
2: You know, when you choose headlines like that, they call it clickbait, right? Yeah. There, there's definite levers that you can pull that will get you a lot of views. Mm-hmm. But I, I walk the line of
0: professionalism, too, that I, yeah. I can't represent our dealership poorly,
2: right? right? There's there's levers that I won't pull when that right. Bring bigger success than my
0: 106,000 subscribers. Right. That, that I won't do because it's not reflective of who we are. Right. Um, well, your mix of but, content uh, again. Here, I love the way you you kind of move around. I'll, I think you maybe addressed it before. Uh, one of your recent videos. You know, what can I buy in in 2022, which is very timely with supply chain issues. And um, so, what were your main uh, points there to the to the audience? Patience. Patience, uh, yes. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, great. you're you're connected in this business and know what the last two years has been. It just it's uh,
2: the business has changed in ways that nobody would have ever been able to predict or right. be able to anticipate. Um, uh, the there's areas that it just keeps changing. I mean,
1: we we continue to have shortages. We continue to have people waiting for equipment for months and months.
2: There's areas
1: that it's getting better. I think overall our backlog has started to reduce, but then. The, the next month rolls around, and there's a shortage with another part, and then we see another area of the business start to back up. right. Um, consumer products are just wiped out. all of your mm. small gas and stuff uh, our inventories are down seventy wow. percent or more uh, for where we would want them going in the springtime.
2: Mm. so yeah, I mean
1: there's there's concerning things out there. I, I think for most of who your audience is, uh, you know, parts and service stuff has held up pretty well and you know, particularly the more domestically made brands seem to be having a, a little bit better shape as far as inventory goes. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's been rough. Uh, it's challenging on our end. I'll tell you, like every transaction takes three times as long as what it usually does, mm. right? It's, it's such a struggle for us to get all the pieces together and keeping in contact with all of our customers. It's just right. it's time consuming. Um, we, we need
0: all the patience we can get from people. Right. Well, I've sort of been a... I've kind of been advising something I've never really come on and said before, 32 years reporting, but I've been telling the farm audience, uh, <clears throat> you know, you need to be thinking more long term in communicating with your with your dealer in terms of what yeah. you're thinking about coming down the road so that you as a dealer can deal with your own unique challenges that you guys have so that you can, you know, get, get things as much as you can kind of, you know, to help that particular customer. I'm just curious your thoughts on along those lines, Neil.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: it's, you know, a good dealership.
0: Like, we're, we're looking to partner with people, right? right, and not just sell you stuff. Right. And we can do so much of a better job for a person
1: who's coming in, sitting down, having a conversation, planning things out ahead of the time, you know, having an honest conversation with the salesman about, you know, what we're able to get, what your needs are, and that kind of stuff. Right. And I hate seeing, and we, you're so connected
2: to the auction space, right? I, I hate seeing what some of that stuff is selling for. Um, yeah, we're paying over invoice pricing of, of new equipment off of auctions, I can hardly go buy stuff
1: off of auctions
2: anymore to be able to sell ourselves without paying more than I am for a new piece that's coming yeah. out. It's, um, it's, and I feel bad for the people that have
1: been caught in situations where they have to have that piece of equipment in order to continue to run their business. Right. Um, and so as much as we can do to try to, to prevent Bad, bad choices for people, bad investments, you know, because everybody's profitability is my
2: profitability at the end of the day too, Right. right? I mean, we're, we're all connected. To this right. Um, right. Now um, that's,
1: yeah. That's more that we can support each other when it comes to this timeline thing.
0: Better. Right. Yeah. Again, folks reach out to your dealers and, and proactively and share with them what you're thinking. I think like Neil said, that's, uh, that, that helps you and it helps them. Uh, well, curious to change it just a little bit here, Neil. To go back, you're in such a unique area there in Lancaster County with the population base. But last month we just did, of course, the two-year anniversary of the of the pandemic. Uh, you know, kind of hard to remember the before times. But just curious, with that population base you guys have out there? What What was that like when the pandemic descended as a dealership, and then as it people began to, you know, uh, summer of twenty whatever. Um, their needs for small equipment, lawn and garden. Uh, what was that like for you guys? Uh,
1: so a lot of different challenges that happened, right? So being in Pennsylvania,
2: our state was on the more aggressive side of like the lockdown period. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we had this
1: really uncomfortable phase here where uh, people didn't come in the store and we took care of them over the phone and carried parts outside and set them on the table.
2: Sure. And, man, it was not not fun yeah um many of our businesses uh in this area since we're a lot of essential workers around here right
1: uh, never really quote unquote shut down right um so you know they, they all remain fairly busy and that kind of thing but we did definitely see a pretty hard uh dive in consumer products there initially um we actually would out. i canceled some orders of vendors and that kind of stuff because mm. uh, the sales just weren't happening um uh, but Fortunately, that was pretty short-lived. Yeah, and things came raging back after that, but mm. um, the, the beginning of it
0: was was pretty dicey. Mm. Um, and uh, our, our businesses had spats of COVID and that kind of stuff. Fortunately, most of them happened during our times we weren't quite as busy. We had a lot of people working from home. Yeah, but you know, we've we've waded through it, come out the other side. Huh. At this point, well, I imagine even your IT background uh, was probably. Uh, came in handy in quite a bit there as the whole space was looking at, oh, my gosh, how's this whatever level uh, yeah. of remoteness going to – how's that going to work?
1: Yeah, I mean, it became routine, right? I mean, like every person that came back up, oh, I, I had a close contact, I had a test, whatever. It was, well, here's your cardboard box with your telephone and your VPN and put yeah. your computer in here and go home, and we're going to get you set up to work from home for the
2: next two weeks. Cause, right. You know, if you, you need your staff. You can't just have everybody out like that. No. Um, oh. so We've we found – Found
0: ways to make it work, so that was hmm. yeah, awesome. Well, Neil, uh, let's turn it here now, and I'll I'll, I'll project forward and uh, just ask you kind of your gut take on uh, what we what your what you guys are foreseeing the rest of twenty two here. But let's start on the on the large egg side. So you know your larger horse tractors, combines, forage. Uh, what's your gut telling you? The rest of twenty two into twenty three is going to be like.
1: Um. A lot of concerns in terms of support you know we're, we're keeping guys out in the field and that kind of stuff with existing equipment uh we do have a little bit of inventory on combines and forage harvesters okay um so we have a couple of units here in order to sell um uh, production lines do seem to be booked up so if we go and we try to order another machine you know we're slotting that machine well out in 2023 at this point okay um there, there's some stuff here on the ground but the uh, used
2: inventories for us are down by about 70 percent 70% um, well not, yeah not, not much sitting on the ground and the, the pieces that are coming in in a lot of cases are
1: being sold before they arrive here right so that that, that yeah. value of sitting down with the salesman and talking to them because you know you might be looking at the website and saying hey there's nothing here but the sales guys know what's coming right in. Um, and a lot of times those things are spoken for before we get here so definite value especially in, in production ag and that kind of
2: stuff
0: hmm. really touch with your sales guy mm, yeah there again be proactive reach out to your dealer that's great advice neil how about on the on the smaller like the hay equipment side what are, what are you guys seeing for used inventory and and level of new sales and how are things sitting out there
2: uh-huh. yes yeah, so the new holland is really our anchor brand
1: for the most part when it comes to hay tools there are major one um the factory for a lot of that stuff is 40 minutes away from us and it's made out of gosh, a huge proportion of parts that's made in the factory or sourced from companies immediately in our area. And so they've done a great job for us. So inventory levels on hay equipment
2: is looking kind of the best that it has in about the last two and a half years. Okay, um,
1: So not feeling too bad there. Um, tractor inventories are pretty tight. Um, like I said, the consumer products are really rough, the implements and that kind of stuff. Uh, our inventory levels are up right now from where they were. Okay. Uh, but I do have a feeling
2: once we get into the warm weather here, that stuff's going to get, you know, hold up here pretty quickly. Okay. Um, So. About so, on it's the, kind uh, of the. I I hate being negative about the inventory thing because there's there's definite areas that are are recovered and that we have inventory.
1: that in, yep. But then you have some things like like construction equipment and and compact track loaders that I'm close to a year out. Yeah, um, but it just, you, you can't again going back to talking to the sales guy, right? There, he's the only one that knows what's going on, and you certainly don't want to make assumptions.
0: Right, right. That, that's good advice. I was going to ask you about kind of the the heavy equipment side, the excavators, mini excavators, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I imagine the way the economy's been, your demand. Uh, well, let me put it this way: I bet you could have sold a lot more if you could have had more to sell. Uh,
1: absolutely. I mean, the, the, yeah, the heavy equipment side is is where the worst backlogs are hmm. um, you know, those, those guys are all remaining to be very very busy equipment demand for them is up all the rental yards one machinery right now um, yeah, it's that that market has just been hot
0: huh. how about what no your dad you said he's still around the business just curious what does he make of this current mix of conditions? Has, has he seen anything like this in his history? Um, what does dad say no, over I mean, coffee
1: yeah <laughs> not quite like this i mean yeah it's there is a the point that at least my dad anyway i mean he pays attention but he just kind of looks at us and it says good could do what you think
2: is right <laughs> okay <laughs> um but uh yeah they would have seen you know steel
1: prices up that kind of started at the beginning of this whole thing yeah. right it, that was before inflation started to be a problem and all that stuff steel was one of the first things that we started seeing the move and you saw that that happened you know 10 odd years ago yeah um so the all
2: these these market conditions had happened before it just they haven't all happened at the same time like right now
0: right
1: um, so it's, it's going to continue to be interesting with the next couple of months holds
0: well neil uh i'll just leave you with a last question or two here now again your company messix goes 70 years in business this year and again folks check mm-hmm. out their awesome website com. but what excites you neil looking forward in the farm equipment business uh, that makes you smile uh, and just uh, ready to get out after the next day? Uh, people. I mean, that, that's what this business has always been for for me and I think for us, it's it's a people business, right? I
1: mean, we're, we're dealing with some of the best people in the nation, right? Uh with farmers, contractors, people that do work that get stuff done. Um, I, I always enjoy coming into work just to see the interaction side of things. Um, uh, there will always be new models and new things out and new technologies and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, we're in a relationship business, and it's just great to be
0: around. So isn't that uh, a, unique, to a unique thing in our ag space that even as the world becomes more technical and disconnected in a lot of ways, that no matter how you slice an egg, it is still about that relationship with the customer and the farmer, and uh, it's good stuff, isn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. It's, it doesn't matter what it is that you're selling it's a good place to be able to, to support one another to find find value in what our, our shared mission is and, right um, you know, to, in most cases come from a good
0: background of, of faith and honesty and that kind of stuff and just be able to do a, a good business with one another right Well, one last question I, i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you this neil but the youtube channel and following you built there but uh, to any of our listeners out there whether they be farmers or other dealers Again, I think you guys are so far ahead of the space. It's just amazing. But what uh, YouTube tips would you provide or have looking back over the years to people out there wanting to dip their Uh, toe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've coached a bunch of other dealers on this before. There's aspects of this that I think are valuable to everyone and um, some things I would give a little bit of a caution to. So I I think if you're a a farmer or a contractor and you can show – the, the cool parts of our industry is show off what we do a little bit, right? The, the technology and the business savvy, and the sense of stuff and, and help the broader population understand what agriculture is about. I think it's a very cool mission, mm. right? Um, and it needs to start with mission, right? Because this is something that you really need to, to want to do, right? If you go into doing YouTube videos and stuff from the outset of saying, I want to get a lot of views or I want to make a living doing this. Yeah. It's not going to work for you, right? right? It's, you have to have a genuine passion and mission about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, and for that reason i often caution dealers right it's very hard to go and carve out the time and the effort that this thing takes and, and cost justify that as a marketing effort yep. um, you know a lot of people wouldn't realize that the 800 videos in the seven years that i put into this and that i was early in this from the get-go yeah um, and so it's a hard thing to duplicate right yep. um but I, I go back to that again of, of helping people understand you know we when we look at the hiring side and telling the story of your dealership, I think everybody should have a video out there that does that. You know, explain to people who you are sure. um, and explain to people what your career opportunities are. You know, what it, we work on some amazing stuff, right? People get excited about self-driving cars. And, you know, we've been doing self-driving cars mm-hmm. for 10 years now, people. Right? right?
2: And, and, and we should
1: be attracting, you know, the best mechanics and that kind of stuff to come in and, and work on our stuff and understand what we do because it's exciting, dynamic stuff. And we just don't do a great job of getting that message out there. Um, you know, so for the dealer side, I think those are two things that are, are worth considering inside of every dealership. But um, uh, setting off to do the same thing that I I do, I think is a, a real challenge. You know, it yeah. can be
0: hard to replicate. Well, Neil, I thank you for sharing those insights. That's great stuff. And I love your 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 kind of uh uh core truth there about, you know, the, our opportunity in ag, whether farmer or dealer, but just uh you know, kind of share our reality in egg and the openness of it. I, I think that's super powerful and hats off to the amazing job you've done there. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing time. And folks, if you haven't been, again, uh, you need to get connected with Messicks, dot com. But Neil, thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing your insights. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Neil Messick from Messick Farm Equipment out in uh, Mount Joy, Pennsylvania, five-store, Case H, New Holland, a Kubota dealer out there, along with many, many, many other short, great short lines. Um, and again, check out their website at messicks.com. That's M-E-S-S-I-C-K-S.com. It really is one of the cleanest, uh, just sharpest dealer websites that I've seen. And check them out on YouTube, folks. If you go to YouTube, just type in Messick's Farm Equipment, you'll see their channel pop up. And uh, uh, like Neil said, uh, I think 800 videos for you there to browse back through covering a wide range of topics. But uh, yeah, very cool dealership there with a 70-year history going back to 1952. And uh, some great insights there from Neil, I think, about our opportunity in ag, whether you're a farmer, a dealer, whatever your position. But uh you know i think the right approach in how we can share our truths in the ag space and in a positive way to let those folks who aren't involved in agriculture maybe don't have family members involved or you know grandparents whatever they're losing their connection very important that we you know keep them kind of uh, educated on how and why we do things uh, to grow the food the world needs so really appreciate Neil's insights. And uh, I've got a couple other podcasts lined up in short order here, folks. These are going to be fun. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for joining us today on the Machine Repeat Podcast. And uh, until next time, I will see you out at the sales.